1: Pulpit Podcast.
0: All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pats Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with my good buddy Rich Hill as August gets underway, the time of year where training camp and preseason should be happening and the Hall of Fame game and all that stuff. But since none of it's happening, And players are dropping like flies or opting like flies, I should say. Uh, It's going to be a little more of a different preseason podcast than usual. But first off, first and foremost, most importantly, Rich, you hanging in there, buddy?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, hanging in there probably better than this NFL season is. But hopefully, we'll we'll see how it plays out. We'll, We'll see how this year goes. Um, But yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You know, I feel like we've hit our rhythm with this whole quarantine period of our lives. And I'm honestly, I'm excited for what if not this year, football brings, at least how it sets the stage for future years, because this Patriots team, they've had a lot of players opt out. They have a, a league-high eight players who've decided to opt out for from this upcoming season, which leads me to wonder, Alec, what do you think's is happening? Well, I
0: don't know if you saw, I think it was Adam Schefter uh, got a text message from another NFL coach who is convinced that Belichick is masterminding this somehow, that Belichick has some kind of inside knowledge, he knows something other people don't, um, I love that, the amount of real estate belt that buys <laughs> in someone's head, but I don't know. I think, honestly, looking at this roster, looking at the Patriots you have opted out, they're all on the wrong side of 30 in terms of NFL starting caliber. They all have won so much. They've all accomplished so much. A lot of these guys, Marcus Cannon, for example, are definitely in that high-risk category. Players have young kids at home. They just have to do what's best for them and their families. And they've already made plenty of money. They already have championship under their belt and that pedigree. So do they really need one more season that probably is going to get shortened anyway? I think it's a smart move. But I think Belichick, more than most coaches, are is not kind of riding his players hard enough to kind of force them to play if they don't want to.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think that when you look at how the Patriots have approached it, I think Belichick would be the first to say, if you're going to opt out, Totally support you. Just do it now. Just let me know so we can plan ahead, so we can figure things out. We support you completely. I mean, for all those reasons. Marcus Cannon is a cancer survivor. Patrick Chung, uh, I believe his son has asthma, and he lives with his elderly like grandparent or something like that. Uh, a lot of these players have reasons. Dante Hightower has a newborn at home you don't need a reason to sit out from this upcoming year because, you know, you're going to catch it most likely just based off of how the sport is played with the close contact. And I think that if someone was just like, I don't want to do it, that's their prerogative. And you have even more players on the Patriots than any other team in the league. And when you say that Bill Belichick has that real estate in the heads of other league executives, first thing that came to my mind was Belichick saying... Tom Brady, how old are you? You just celebrated your birthday this past week. Is this season even going to happen? You were already showing some signs of decline last year. You know, he's still a top 10 quarterback, don't get me wrong, but he was definitely showing signs of not making the same decisions that he would have made earlier in his career last year. And if this year isn't happening, and, you know, back at the time of negotiations, you had no idea that this was going to happen, but that's totally what's going on in the heads of all of these league executives. Is Bill Belichick behind all of this? Is Bill Belichick know something? Is this season not going to happen? Is Tom Brady going to be 45 by the time the next season happens and the Patriots are going to be flush with cap space and ready to go for the, the next era or iteration of whatever this league looks like? Bill Belichick is absolutely without a doubt in the head of every other team.
0: No, he is. You kind of have to be. If you've been that successful for that long, there's just no way you can look at the Patriots players opting out. I think Patriots are... I think three or four is the second most in the league for team opt-outs at the time of the Patriots. They basically doubled lap the field in terms of opt-outs. These are key guys at key positions. I think Hightower and Cannon and Chung are probably the three biggest impact players across any team to have opted out. And so Belichick, these guys are doing it early. You've got to wonder. Um, but I guess that poses the question is why do you think there are eight Patriots as opposed to so few guys because they've won so much? Or is there something else going on there? What is it with the Patriots and the opt-outs and the Patriots that make this seem like there's so many more guys there?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's something that you definitely alluded to earlier is that a lot of them are on the other side of 30, both Cannon and Chung. I believe, uh, you know, Bolden and Hightower are right around that 30 mark as well. They've won a lot. They have nothing to prove from a career standpoint. All of them have made a lot of money from a salary standpoint. What do they have to gain from playing this upcoming year? There's nothing, you know, they're they're not Hall of Fame type players. You know, this isn't going to disrupt their Hall of Fame candidacy. This is purely about health. This is purely about their decision to say, you know what, it's not worth it for me to play this year. I've made my money. I've won my rings. I've had my success. I don't need to play in this fruitless year. And I, I think when you look at other players around the league, They don't have that. They don't have the ability to say, oh, I've won three Super Bowl rings. That's just not a thing. And that means that, you know, whether every year matters for them with regards to accomplishing their life goals. And so, you know what, maybe it changes the risk calculus for them. And then additionally, why I'm a little bit more surprised by the players like Danny Vitale opting out and Matt Lacoste is that when you haven't made as much money, over the course of your career you know say you're this is something that matt chatham put out on twitter former patriots linebacker, He said he said you know when i was entering my 10th year in the league i was like if i had a million dollar offer on the table to play i would really consider taking it because you know being on that fringe of the roster being that special teams guy means that you're not going to be making as much of that that money over the course of your whole career and so when it comes to at what point in your uh, career your earnings could possibly be it's a substantial percentage of it and if you're not going to be playing much longer if you don't know how much longer your career will be then you really have to consider okay what are what are the risks how do we weigh it against one another and i think the patriots just have that balance of success and salary earnings that everyone can make that decision for themselves
0: speaking of salary rich correct me if i'm wrong here but i think the way the opt-out clause works is the, the money that are, are, are put toward the 2020 season more or less kind of frozen, and it's applied towards 2021, which basically frees up a lot of cap space for the Patriots, A, and B, keeps these guys who are maybe set to expire at 2020 through the 2021 season. Is that how it works?
1: Yep, definitely. And so the the best part for the Patriots is that they were scheduled to have, I believe, the fourth most cap space next year, but with all of these opt-outs, those salary Uh, earnings move to next season and so as a result they might not have as much cap space but they still have plenty to work with and so they have kind of the balance of okay now we have a lot more cap space this year so maybe we can figure out some extensions or figure out how to keep some players around for the longer term and then we also are still flexible enough for next year
0: that makes a lot of sense and again it might be something else Belichick was thinking about and maybe Belichick is wise enough to see that Based on how baseball season lasted maybe a week and a half until games got <laughs> on, um, where players are not colliding headfirst every single play, um, maybe Belichick kind of sees the writing on the wall and he knows even if the season does start on time in about a month the odds of it finishing are probably pretty slim. I'd love to be wrong on that. I'd love to see a full 16-game schedule with everyone staying healthy, but I just I just cannot imagine a scenario where that happens, and I just don't know how they're going to calibrate the season. Now, baseball is a little easier because there are 60 games. You can do doubleheaders. You can make games up. But if an entire team gets coronavirus or enough players get coronavirus where you can't play a game that week, I don't know how it's going to affect the schedule, the playoff seedings. I feel like there's a lot of obstacles in the NFL's way promoting a a full season if it does happen, if even one team were to miss a week, you know?
1: Oh, totally. And, I mean, we just saw what happened to Matt Stafford over this past week, is that he had a false, uh, false positive on one of his COVID things, and he's placed on the COVID reserve list until they figured out, oh, it was an error, and so then they removed him. What happens to teams if that happens on a Saturday? You know, I'm, I'm going to, assume these teams are going to be doing their COVID tests prior to a lot of these games to ensure safety. What happens if a quarterback misses the, a game due to an, uh, an error in the, the test results? That's just going to shift the entire weight of the season, what happens in the playoffs. I mean, there's so many question marks as to how this is going to be executed. But, I mean, Alec, let's assume for a moment right now that the season will happen. The Patriots have had these eight players opt out, and I think it's important to talk about kind of the implications and roster impacts of what these moves will have on the team. And so starting with the offensive side of the ball, Let's talk about Marcus Cannon. He's that right tackle that the Patriots have had. He's been with the team since 2011. What are the Patriots going to do without their all-pro right tackle?
0: Yeah, I mean, first off, Marcus Cannon is probably – I heard about the opt-out clause. uh, Cannon's the first guy, I'm like, I hope he opts out. Like you mentioned, cancer survivor, overweight. I don't know exactly how much your weight has to do in terms of how vulnerable you are to coronavirus, but I know that linemen, defensive and offensive, they sacrifice a lot of their health to be big enough to play football. So I, I totally support that. Um, but he's a key member of that offensive line. That was one of the, the strengths of the team last year. Uh, I know they've got some some players. I know they've got uh, Joni Kajuste. Have you or hell you pronounce that guy's last name? You've got the <laughs> Viking... Who uh, I also love, uh, Jati Froholt. They've got a really weird number of. Uh, I think he's probably the guy to step in if I had to guess. Um, Jonty Froholt, uh, kind of the, the Viking line. I know David Andrews is coming back, so he'll have he'll have a, a another year being healthy. Um, Shaq Mason will be there, and Joe Tooney will be there, and of course Isaiah Wynn. So ideally, I'm glad that it's a right tackle, not a left tackle. Uh, Cam Newton or Derek Siddham both right-handed quarterbacks, so left tackle is infinitely more important. But Cannon was. A good enough player for Belichick to extend him for a, a decent amount of mind, time and money. So, uh, hopefully, Froholt in his redshirt year is ready to go. Um, I think he's the guy for now, but I'd like to say we can. We'll see when the training camp battles start. But based on how training camp's going, it's just conditioning right now. So, whoever gets that job is going to have very limited reps through of the offensive line.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so many question marks here, and Marcus Cannon was the most experienced offensive lineman that the team has. And so if Cannon is not able to go, I mean, yeah, they have uh, Kajuste who was that third-round pick last year. Uh, He was a redshirt shirt. Uh, due to an injury that he suffered prior to the season. Uh, Corey Cunningham is a player that they acquired who has starting experience, so he was kind of their their last string offensive tackle last season, so he definitely will have an opportunity to have a potential starting role. Uh, but a dark horse uh, that, you know, I wouldn't want to move players around too much, but... One worth considering is Joe Tooney, who has experience playing on offensive tackle. He did it in college. He's done it in a pinch in the NFL. And, you know, he is playing under that franchise contract. So maybe it's worth considering, all right, where is the strength of this Patriots offensive line? David Andrews is back. Shaq Mason is at right guard. Do you feel more comfortable with Jermaine, uh, Jermaine Luminor, who had experience with the Baltimore Ravens playing guard a little bit? Or do you play uh, one of the, the rookies in Dustin Woodard and Michael Nguyenu? They might be a little bit more ready to go. Uh, and then you also have Hjalte Froholt as well. So it's definitely worth considering if Joe Tooney is someone who can step up into that tackle spot and if that veteran sort of presence and leadership will give the team a little bit more of a boost on the offensive line than starting an inexperienced player.
0: Interesting point. I haven't really thought about that, and I'd like to give that some more thought. Let me ask you this, Rich, can I, along while I'm thinking out loud here. I'm getting way ahead of myself here, but that's okay. Uh, let's just make the assumption and pretend for the sake of argument that Cam Newton gets a starting job, and he's under center week one. Do you think Cam Newton as the quarterback versus, say, a Jarek Stidham or a Brian Hoyer, will alter that offensive line decision-making, who starts where, based on various blocking schemes. Kim, mobility as a quarterback, maybe zone blocking more versus run blocking more. I think the quarterback might dictate who starts where on the offensive line. I
1: mean, That's an interesting question. I kind of have to put on my Bill Belichick hat for that. I know Dante is not there anymore, but my Skarniecki hat. And I think that for them, they'll be like, you know what, we're just going to put together our best five. And, uh, you know, while Newton is definitely more mobile than Stidham, there's definitely a question of, all right, uh, is it worth moving around players on the offensive line specifically for a quarterback? And my initial guess is no, and that, uh, you know what, whether it's Newton, whether it's Stidham, they would keep those same starting five out on that line. Yeah, I think you're probably right,
0: especially because uh, the... James Devlin, heir apparent, Danny Vitali has also opted out of the 2020 season. Uh, fullback has always been a very important part of the Patriots' offensive scheme. Just ask Sonny Michelle how important that fullback position is. I think running behind James Devlin versus not running behind James Devlin. Uh, I think you really saw two different players in Sony Michelle. He really was the guy. Uh, Jakob Johnson is now the guy, which is crazy to me because he had maybe one game at F fullback last year before he owned out. <laughs> Yeah, I I think the offensive line is going to be especially interesting this season because the James Devlin heir apparent, Danny Vitale, has also opted out of the season. The Pages brought him over from Green Bay with the intention of basically him being the guy. Uh, at fullback, which now I guess leaves Jakob Johnson as the guy. Uh, he had some experience at fullback before going to IR last year. Bigger guy than Vitaly, actually. I think he's 6'3", 6'4", 260. So he's a big dude, but I don't think he really has the experience and the pedigree that Vitaly did. And so that kind of leaves a pretty big hole at fullback. We all know how important that position is to the Patriots. Just ask Sony Michel how much he loved running behind James Devlin. He'll talk about it all day. And the running game really suffered when Devlin's neck injury happened last year. So I think that's one of the more kind of sneaky, underrated, and maybe devastating uh, opt-outs of the season.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, they were definitely counting on Vitaly to help replace Devlin. Uh, And, I mean, remember, Jakob Johnson was literally the last player on the Patriots roster last season. Bill Belichick has referenced that multiple times. He's the international player, so he's exempt from the roster count. And he was literally the last player, and he ended up playing an important role for the Patriots prior to his injury. And yet again, he appears to be the top option for fullback. And he's actually been working out with the tight ends this offseason. He's been working out with rookie tight end Dalton Keene, which makes it kind of interesting and important to talk about another opt-out, Matt Lacoste, who is expected to be that veteran tight end presence as the two rookies, Dalton Keene and Devin Asiasi, adjust to the NFL. But instead, it looks like, okay, we don't have Matt Lacoste anymore. We don't have Danny Vitale. You're going to rely on a lot of inexperienced players, so Jakob is going to be out there. And the Patriots now are just fully reliant on these rookies in Dalton and Devin Asiasi. I know that they have Ryan Izzo, who you've been a big fan of, but honestly, the Patriots should probably look into bringing a veteran tight end uh, this offseason because they need a little bit more experience uh, because of how important it is for the tight ends in the fullback position to succeed for the Patriots offense to work.
0: Yeah, I know they are. Uh, they've been linked at least to Delaney Walker. That's one that's been tossed around the Patriots. But I know there's other competent services as well. Uh, I will say this, though, Rich. I believe the last time the Patriots had two tight end offense that were both rookies, uh, it was Hernandez and Gronk. And that worked out okay. Uh, I'm not saying that the two heads they have now are anything close to that, but you never know. Um, but – I, I do think that there's a lot of question marks, probably more question marks, coronavirus-related and otherwise, along the offensive side of the ball. than there's been probably this century, uh, which makes it both terrifying and interesting. Um, let's switch to the defense real quick, Rich. Two pretty key cogs in the Patriots scheme, Dante Hightower and Patrick Chung, have both opted out. I guess of those two, Hightower's probably the bigger blow. The Pats are deeper at DB and safety. They have Kyle Duggar, who maybe will now ask to a, a more advanced role. I can see Kyle Duggar being the Pat Chung 2.0 of the future, the heir apparent. Um But how do you replace Hightower in the middle of that defense in terms of running the green dot, reading the offense, making sure the blocking assignments are there, making sure guys are lined up, just the leadership qualities he has? He's an irreplaceable player in my opinion.
1: Oh, totally. I mean, when you think of who the two – most pivotal members of this Patriots defense, I would say Hightower and Chung are number one and number 2 not saying best by any means. Stephon Gilmore is easily the best defender that they have on the team. But the two players that allow the Patriots defense to function the way that they do by providing that flexibility without having to change personnel, it's Hightower who can play on the line and off the ball. And it's Patrick Chung, who can drop down to play linebacker. He can play in the slot. He can drop and play safety. And that sort of flexibility is why the Patriots had the best defense in the league last year, and you're losing two linchpins. And so when it comes to who is going to replace Dante Hightower, first and honestly only real option I can think of is Jawan Bentley. He has been a very good linebacker when he's had the opportunity to play, but quite frankly, he's the only off-the-ball linebacker I would trust right now. I mean honestly, I mean, looking at the other linebackers on the roster... It's a bunch of flex players that are more like 3-4 uh, outside linebackers. You know, they're, they're the edge players. When you're thinking of the John Simons, the Chase Winoviches, Shalik Calhouns, uh, even rookie Josh Uche, those are all players that I would say are going to be at the line of scrimmage. And so while I think Bentley is the most clear option to replace Hightower at the linebacker spot, I really think that the way that the Patriots have addressed this linebacker position means that they're not going to be reliant on linebackers as much. You know, if they play with five guys on the line of scrimmage and five defensive backs and only Bentley as the sole off-the-ball linebacker, I wouldn't be surprised because that's kind of what the talent is dictating.
0: That's just so weird to think about because Belichick is just – his entire defense is usually based around a strong strong linebacking core. And to not have that this year, it's just – it's mind-boggling to me. But honestly, I think you're right. You know, looking at the roster, I know some guys are listed as – like Shaleek Calhoun's listed as a linebacker, but he's a defensive end. I agree with that. Um, Brandon Copeland, he's a you know edge, fringe player at best. There's Anthony Jennings, the rookie out of Arkansas. Maybe he can step up. Maybe they're really relying on the rookie linebackers to come and step up, and maybe they're going to convert – Chase Winovich to linebacker, I don't know. I'm really curious to see how that works out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, maybe uh, maybe you did a good job in, in that you said Pat Chung probably number two. I put Devin McCourty ahead of Pat Chung personally. But um, he offers kind of a, a versatility to the defense, and I think he's probably the best coverage safety in terms of matching him on linebackers, matching him on fullbacks or running backs coming out of the back, matching on tight end, excuse me, uh, run, running backs and fullbacks coming out of the backfield. And as as far as coverage linebackers goes, there's always been kind of an Achilles heel for the Patriots and losing Pat Chung in addition to Dante Hightower as a coverage linebacker, another huge problem. So I feel like those running back, kind of halfback wheel routes, those flat routes that have just plagued the Patriots for three or four years uh, may be an issue this coming season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree <laughs> with that. It's going to be very interesting to see uh, but the first name that comes to mind as the possible replacement is Adrian Phillips, who is a new signing that they brought over from the Chargers, who played a very similar role to what Patrick Chung did, but out over there in, uh, I was going to say San Diego, in, in Los Angeles. And so Phillips is my top choice. Uh, I think Duggar is definitely the long-term solution, and there's a very real chance in my mind that he could play the Duran Harmon role this year as the third safety on the field, uh, but I think he's just a little too raw right now coming out of that small school. And so I would say Adrian Phillips is my top option to play next to Devin McCourty at that safety spot. And then Terrence Brooks. Uh He he was with the team last year. He has some experience in the system. He played whenever uh, the Patriots needed an extra strong safety. So I would say that he might have uh the inside track just at the very start. But I think Phillips has both the experience and the upside that will ultimately give him that job. And uh, to be frank, uh, the Patriots signed Adrian Phillips to a multi-year contract this offseason, I think specifically to be Chung's long-term replacement. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know what, the transition just starts a little bit earlier than expected.
0: All right, man, that transition would be much easier to get going if they were actually allowed to do training camp the right way. Uh, right now they are just doing conditioning. Their number of full padded kind of contact practices is crazy limited this season. I'd love to get your thoughts on how training camp is going to shake out, how the lack of preseason and whatnot is going to affect the team. We're going to do that right after the break. All right. We are back in, Rich, we talked about in the first half of the podcast, all the opt-outs, how it's going to affect the roster and the roster dynamics. Um, Roster dynamics is an important part of August because it usually means that guys are getting cut pretty soon, but the Patriots are kind of already under the cap based on, Guys, are about to know, So that makes that part of the job very easy. But the difficult part to talk about is there's no preseason games. There's just conditioning right now in training camp. There's no drills, no one-on-ones, no seven-on-sevens. All the things you look to see to develop team chemistry – To get the guys in the roster bubble, maybe some refs they're going to need, those crucial week three preseason games you're playing with various packages, all that's basically out the window. So I'd love to get your initial thoughts on how this kind of new training camp or lack thereof is going to affect not only final cuts and cutdowns, but how prepared the Patriots are going to be for week one should it actually happen.
1: Yeah, I mean what what's interesting is that the Patriots are just so shallow on talent right now. They have they have seventy three players on the roster with uh Jakob Johnson being the exemption player. But with like the expanded practice squads and everything they could just take the roster that they have right now and say, all right, this is uh, this is going to be our, our week one roster. We have the players here, everyone who doesn't make the team is going to be on the practice squad, and we are good to go. And maybe just treat this entire year as an extended training camp where a lot of these players, because so many of them are extremely young, and uh, when you think of, all right, who is going to be wasting a vital year of their career, you look at Edelman, you look at Slater, you look at the defensive backs with the, the McCordy brothers and maybe Stefan Gilmore just because he's such a great player in his prime. But everyone else will come back next year and continue to be in their prime, if not a year better. So this is a, a very unique situation where, uh, you know, Bill Belichick would always use the first four weeks of the season anyways to iron out some of the kinks that they couldn't solve during the preseason figuring out what their strengths were and maybe that just means that for however long this season lasts whether it's four weeks eight weeks 16 weeks that the Patriots are just going to be working out the kinks and figure out who the players are and it's honestly all just going to be for reassessing next year and maybe they're I mean they have good enough coaching that they can succeed but without having that contact in the preseason, without them having the ability to have the the best way to highlight which young players can really stand out and hold their own against the veterans, without having that, it's going to be much harder for all of these younger players to really leave their mark, you know, and thinking of the Jeff Thomases of the the roster uh the Cash Malouias, like these players that are kind of on the fringe, but maybe if they were given an opportunity with preseason games prior to cutdowns it to show what they were capable of, they might have a better opportunity to really separate themselves, and so instead I, I think that the Patriots are going to have to treat part of the regular season as their churn, as their time to figure out what's working and what's not.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. It's uh, it's wild to me because I know coaches don't really put much weight in preseason games uh, in terms of how things really shake out, but every year there's always that Jacoby Myers or that Zach Sunfeld that we as fans get really excited about, sometimes, out, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but there's always usually a camp standout, a kind of dark horse, a J.C. Jackson or Malcolm Butler, right? These guys that just kind of come in, they have a really strong training camp. They have a couple of really strong standout preseason performances, and they earn a roster spot. And maybe one of those guys just, I don't know, makes a game-sealing pick in the Super Bowl at some point down the line. You know, So I, I think even though they're the nitty-gritty and the X's and O's of, of football, I know preseason doesn't matter that much, the games at least, but no training camp, no – Battles, no scuffles, no joint practices. I think there are certain players that are NFL caliber starting quality players who aren't going to get a shot because they don't have the opportunity to stand out. And I'm very curious to see the ripple effect that that's going to have. Maybe not this season, but maybe next season when all these guys who got cut didn't get a shot, maybe can come back next year and be on new teams. And maybe it'll benefit the Patriots tremendously. Maybe there's some guy on the the Ravens right now, for example, who's going to get cut who's going to be on the Patriots next year, and he never got his chance last this season. So uh, uh, it, it's not really something I don't think we can really know about uh, this year, but I think that the lasting impact of the lack of practices and whatnot will have a ripple effect for several seasons to come, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, that's fascinating. It would be like kind of a butterfly effect to see which players uh, started this off season on one team that went on to a great success with another franchise simply because they didn't have the real opportunity to see how they performed and I, I mean, what's the Patriots are going to have to rely on right now and why it was so important for, you know, Matthew Slater to opt in, why it was so important for Devin McCordy to resign, why it's so important for Julian Edelman to step up is that you need to have these veteran guys who can both lead in the classroom and also try to impart as much of their experience as possible in such a stilted, weird off season to all of these young players. And I mean, exactly what you said, I think that there were going to be some players that really stood out and you'd be like, oh man, like they should make the roster. Like, I, I feel like JJ Taylor, who's a really small running back, he's like five foot five, 190 pounds. I think he could have been, you know, like a Danny Woodhead esque kind of player for that Patriots out of that backfield. You know, maybe I, that's like clearly the high upside, but there's always that fourth preseason game where you see those undrafted players and you go, Oh man, maybe they could be something, you know, like when DJ Foster would always go off for the Patriots a few years back and that's just not going to happen. And, you know, I think that's honestly was the best part of the preseason anyways. And uh it'll be interesting to me to see how uh a lot of these younger players either step up or don't over the course of the season. And so Alec, my question to you is, uh, which players do you think benefit the most from this uh kind of weird offseason? Which players on the roster do you think are, you know what? It's kind of better for them and their you know, their playing time, their ability to make the roster that there isn't an offseason.
0: Yeah, it's funny, man. So if you look at the preseason and the guys that are on the bubble, like I mentioned, some guys play their way on, but some guys kind of play their way off. And The limited roster the Patriots have right now, like I said, the 73 guys, they basically, as you mentioned, can kind of roll with the players they have right now. It makes me wonder if there isn't really like a very big roster bubble at all in any capacity, and maybe they're just going to roll with these guys that they have. Maybe it's going to be three or four transactions toward the end, Um, but this is basically could easily, as you mentioned, be the entire Patriots roster. So who are kind of the, the last guys off the bench, say? I don't know who those are right now, but you know, I think that if you're a starter, you're already locked in. You don't really need the training camp that much. Rookies have a pretty long leash. You brought in for a reason. The, the draft picks are safe, obviously. But there's a couple of only second, third-year players that maybe – maybe like Derek Rivers, for example, could be a guy who might have mm-hmm. not made it to the final round of cuts. He might be safe now. So I think guys like that who maybe like their third-year players who was kind of like crapping off up the pot years for him. Uh, The leash has got a little longer, and maybe they get an opportunity to prove themselves on the field.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, Dietrich Wise was the first one that comes to mind, not because he's not a good player. I think he's really shown up every time he has, but he just didn't necessarily fit into what the Patriots were doing on defense with that flexibility that he just didn't offer. But this year, uh, without what we talked about earlier, without Hightower and Chung being those linchpin players to provide a lot of flexibility... Maybe Wise makes the roster because you know what? You got to go with experience over possible upside or scheme sort of matching. And so, yeah, Wise and Rivers, they'll always be linked together. And maybe, you know, maybe Rivers will have an opportunity again. Uh, I, I think the ones that stand out for me are the late draft picks. So thinking of the Cash Malouias, uh, and then also maybe the Justin Heron, uh, the offensive tackle is that. There, There isn't a lot of depth at those positions. And with Marcus Cannon and Hightower not playing this upcoming year, that opens up roster slots at those exact positions. And when it comes to, okay, assume Marcus Cannon was playing. Who gets the roster spots? I, Isaiah wins, clearly a lock. Uh, Cunningham and Cahuste, those are two players that, uh, you know, Cahuste was a third-round pick. Cunningham, they had Patriots acquired, but he has starting experience. And I think in this type of a year, he would get the edge. And Heron was a very clear player to bump off the roster, but it, the Patriots are going to have four tackles on the roster, and now one of them opens up. so Heron's definitely going to benefit. They don't have another real offensive tackle that they can rely on, and so that opens up the door for him and so when it comes to uh you know there not being a lot of roster churn probably because there's not going to be those preseason games where people can either rise or fall. Whoever is kind of on this roster, I wouldn't be surprised if you know ninety percent of them remain there until the final roster cuts when maybe a couple other players pop open and become available. And so those players that, you know, were number five on the depth chart that were at risk of losing their jobs, that slid up because of these players opting out, they really get the opportunity to make the the team, you know, throwing Ryan Izzo in there as well. And as
0: a person who covers the Patriots and likes to write the occasional joke, I'm very happy this bodes well for Bill Murray to make the (laughs) <laughs> the amount of Ghostbusters and Caddyshack references that I can make have just skyrocketed as a result of this. So if nothing else comes out of this pandemic, Bill Murray making the roster makes me very happy. Um, last thing I'll ask, actually we start to close this podcast out. As we mentioned, it's basically just conditioning now. I think teams are limited to 12 full practices, which is a very, very low number. Coaching staff, you're on the coaching staff of the Patriots. You're basically forced to evaluate talent on running laps, conditioning, throwing and catching, cone drills, kind of like the combine 2.0 how confident are you in the coach's ability to kind of glean information and ability and roster depth based on such limited action?
1: Oh man. Well, okay. So what's another really interesting point for the Patriots is that there's been so much roster uh, coaching staff turnover as well. So you have uh, Jed Fish, who's the new quarterbacks coach. Troy Brown is the running backs returns coach. Mick Lombardi is at wide receivers. Carmen Brasillo and Cole Popovich are now the offensive line guys. Uh, and then you move up to Brian Belichick now being the safety guy. Uh, and then DeMarcus Covington moved up to the defensive line. You had a lot of changes across this coaching staff. And so is there necessarily that same sort of experience that you can rely on to make those decisions? Ultimately, I say, you know, Bill Belichick's still at the top. Nick Casario's still the director of player personnel. They're going to be fine. They have the best guys in the business that are calling the top of the shots. And while they definitely do rely on how the, their positional coaches report back up to them, they're not going to make any rash decisions that they're not comfortable with. And so long as Bill Belichick is there, so long as Nick Casario is there, uh, I, I'm not going to be too concerned with those, you know, fringe roster decisions because more than, often than not, they work out.
0: They do. This is, you know, while it's not the best year to be in flux at quarterback, uh, it's a great year to have the best coach of all time, Manning the helm, uh, because I could not imagine if you're kind of a first or second year head coach, you might already be on the hot seat. You now have to figure out how to navigate coronavirus. Maybe it'll work out for you because you're getting an extra year of leeway, but I feel like this is the kind of year where a lot of guys can end up unemployed for a number of reasons, and this is one area where it's good to have Belichick out there.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And we'll see how it all plays out. The there's a lot of off season left to go a lot of changes between now and the first week of the season. We'll see how things go. The Patriots did a really good job. They had no players test positive for COVID. So hopefully that will remain the case for the rest of the year. But a lot of things can happen. Uh, and we will continue to monitor it over at patspalbit.com. Alec, do you have any final thoughts on this pre slash beginning part of training camp podcast?
0: Uh, I'm being forced to spend way more time than I like to this summer outside. So hopefully football will come back before too long, so I can get back to my normal routine.
1: (laughs) The sun burns. Mm -hmm. All right, Alec. Until next time. You have a good one. I see it. Wait a minute.